At IKEA, your dream home is a blue bag away. No matter the size of your space or budget, we've got everything you need to turn your dreams into reality. And now with new lower prices on hundreds of our most popular products, bringing the dream home is even easier. Like the gray Strandom wing chair, was $369, now $299. And the IKEA Plus 365 nine-piece cookware set was $129.99, now $89.99. And hundreds more. Shop new lower prices at ikea-usa.com today. At Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. And we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible. Because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com wonder. Hello and welcome. It's the Filmmakers Podcast. Yes, it's your favourite podcast. It's back again. It's Tuesday. It's the podcast where we talk about filmmaking, from indie films to studio films and everything in between. How to get them made, how to make them, and how to try not to F it up. In our very, very humble opinion, today we're chatting with the wonderful indie filmmaker Alejandro Montoya Marin who is the director of the brand new feature film Monday, which was made for 7K in 14 days while he was on a TV show that was filming him making his actual film. Please go watch these after you've listened to this podcast. It's a brilliant making of TV series featuring Robert Rodriguez as he helps the five filmmakers make their... Well, they're, they're indie films in 14 days. Honestly, it's so good. They are on Tumblr. Go watch them straight after this link is in the show notes. Uh, we chat with him about how he made that film in 14 days and about his career and about the future. And the fact that his film, Monday, is screening at the Holly Shorts on August the 18th at 7pm at the Harmony Gold Theatres. That's incredible. It's Holly Shorts, but his is the feature um, Monday. So that is great news, which Alejandro has recently let me know. So we didn't know that when the podcast was recording, but we do now. Go to the Harmony Gold Theatres, August the 18th, 7pm. It's coming up. It's very soon. Go support him there. And say hello. Say you heard him on the podcast. Suddenly you've got another connection. That's all it's about. I am Giles Alderson. I am currently producing cassette down in Richmond area, Twickenham area in London. Uh, we're halfway through the shoot. It's going very well. Marcus is doing a brilliant job as a director. The producers, uh, including myself, are doing what we do on indie films and we're getting shit done and doing all we can to make it successful. And as you do on indie films, you put out fires before they become big fires. And it's a wonderful experience and it's going very well. The actors are incredible. It's been really good so far. So, yeah, I'm looking forward to telling you more about that. And Marcus will be coming on the podcast to have a chat to you guys about making that. And I'll try and get him on reasonably soon when it's still fresh in his mind. All the manicness and the craziness of of making a first feature film. So I'm looking forward to you guys hearing that. Uh, I also, as you know, directed The Dare and I produced The Serial Killer's Guide to Life, which is now Locked Picture. And Lawrence Lovegreet, the composer, is currently composing the music and Stan went up uh, to Leeds to work on that with him. Raindance, the uh, film festival is about to happen. And you can go to the first day 
and the opening night party. Of course, thanks to the Filmmakers Podcast, you can get 20% off because it's the place to be. It really is if you want to be an indie filmmaker, an actor, producer, director, writer. Head there and chat to like-minded people. I can't recommend it enough. It's in London. It's on the 26th. Wait. Wait. It's on the 26th of September at 7pm. And that's at the uh, Bloomsbury Ballroom. And you can get, as I just said, 20% off when booking online with our exclusive discount, RD Podcast 20 which means you can go and get in for just £16. Check the link in the podcast description and get on it. Get your swanky gear on. Look cool. Get your business cards ready and do your thing. And you've got to do it. You've got to hustle. And you've got to chat to people. I know it's hard for indie filmmakers. I know it's really not that easy. You probably think I'm okay at that. But when I first started, I hated it. I found it really difficult to go up to people at a party, at an event, at a screening and say, Hi, I'm Charles and I'm a filmmaker too. Um, it was really hard. But you've got to do it. Do it. Bite the bullet and just do it. Be bold and see what happens. And you'll meet so many contacts and it will change your life. I promise. Well, I can't promise. That's ridiculous. But I'm telling you, it should change your life. <laughs> uh, do what you can. So that's the rain dance. I can't wait. Can't wait for that. So, not that long ago, I think it was episode... Brain going to gear. Episode... 31. Boom. And 32 was with Paul Knight from London Knights. And he told us his amazing story of his feature film, A Landscape of Lies, and the 19.6 million tax scam that happened around his film. And he was big news, he was in the papers, and it was a real problem for him to carry on as an indie filmmaker. But he has done that, because he's a hero. He's an indie filmmaking gent and a giant, and it's wonderful news that A Landscape of Lies is released now. Congratulations, Paul. Congratulations, all that team that were involved in that, who weren't part of that stupid, ridiculous scam that is sometimes rife in the indie film industry. But, Paul, you rose above it. I'm proud of you. I cannot wait to buy that film. I'm going to do that right now, and you should too. Buy it. The link is in the description. A Landscape of Lies. Buy it. Listen to episode 31 and 32 of how he did that. It's inspiring. Do it. Okay, let's get to this week's podcast uh, with... The fantastic Alejandro Montaya Marin. He says it better than I do. Enjoy it, enjoy it. So it, it gives me great pleasure to welcome to the Filmmakers Podcast, Alejandro Montoya Marin. Hello, sir. How are you? Thank you for having me, sir. Oh, it's a real pleasure. It's a real pleasure. Whereabouts in the world are you at the moment? Are you in Albuquerque? I am in Albuquerque, New Mexico right now. Woohoo! And you've just got back from New York. What were you doing in New York? Uh, New York, we went to the uh, Soho International Film Festival. We we screened our feature film Monday there. Wow. Wow. How did it go? Man, I'm still in cloud nine. It was amazing. We had a blast. Uh, we, wow. we sold out in oh. New York, which oh. was amazing. That's so good. Um. People really responded to the movie. They laughed uh, more than I thought they would. It, it was just a, such a positive experience. Anything that I would say would sound like I'm bragging, but I was just, <laughs> I swear I was just like incredibly happy. Like it was, it, it, it was, it was a sight, like a yes. room full of strangers and not even, I mean, not all of them, but like 80% of them were strangers and to have them all react to the movie that you made 
with such difficult circumstances and applaud oh, like oh a lot. Like God. we got a, a, a round of applause three times. What? Yeah, no, it was well, they like s- they stopped and then started again. Yeah, it would stop because it started when as soon as it ended, they started applauding. Then it goes to the Love bloopers. It. After the bloopers, they applaud it again, and then we have a small animation of a continuous storyline that goes through the movie that lasts two minutes, and then they applaud it again. Yay! So, this no, is brilliant. Ah, oh, incredible, happy. incredible. We will get on to Monday, which is your debut feature film, which was yes. made through the Rebel Without a Crew TV series, which obviously Robert Rodriguez is um, wonderful. TV series he set up to help indie filmmakers make their films just like he did in 14 yeah. days with just seven grand or $7,000, depending on where you're from. Um, wow, I can't wait to get in-depth about that. First of all, let's talk about you, how you started, why you wanted to become a filmmaker, because your journey is really interesting. Well, I've always liked movies since I was a kid, and um, I never did really well in school. so. As one of the things that I did that started really intriguing me in making film, I always loved watching film, but watching and making is very different. Very different. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> yeah, right. It's 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 a it's a whole other side of your brain that gets stressed, and it's just it's very different. Mm-hmm. But um, I was failing a class, and the teacher told me that I needed to do an extracurricular activity, or else I would fail. So because it was art class, they I asked her like, "Oh, can I do a play?" Ooh, nice. And she's like, yeah, sure, do a play. I don't know what you're going to do. <laughs> so did you ever see the movie Rushmore? Yes. Yeah, Jason. Okay. Um, Schwartzman. Schwartzman, yes, yes. So basically this was like five years before Rushmore. Right. And I, I, I mean I didn't have TNT and explosives and shit, but we did a Braveheart play. We did it based on the movie Braveheart what? that had just come out. And I was in Mexico at the time, so I had all my all my friends wear like my aunt's uh, skirts, and we had swords, and we painted her faces blue. And oh my gosh, I love it! Oh, we had like construction, like cardboard trees and fake horse. No, no, it was we went all out, all out. That sounds like it. It was great, and people loved it. That the next year when I failed again, <laughs> they told me like maybe you should do another play. And I said, well, you know what? I want to do a movie now. And I did a Star Wars movie that, I mean, it was shitty as fuck, but everyone had a blast watching it. Yeah, yeah. And we were doing that. One of my best friends was like, you should be a director. Yeah. Because, like, all my friends came on, like, I don't know what we're doing. I'm like, all right, well, you just stand there. The camera will come in this way. We'll pan this way. Like, I just started, like, out of nowhere. Just, like, whatever I, I absorbed from film. And... It was it was it was great. So I started taking it really serious. And when I was studying marketing in, in Monterrey in Mexico, I, I I reached this point where I was like I would always be known as the film guy and around town and every and, but I was never doing I did little short films with my friends, but I never took it to the next level. Mm-hmm. And we would pack bars. Really? We would have bars. Yeah, we would have bars where we would show the movie, projector, I would make it an event. And we would have 100 people come, 150 people come. Oh, did you and charge? They, did you charge for that? Oh, my God. I think I would charge like two bucks and oh. all the money would go to open bar. Super. That's great. Really nice. So everyone wins. Yeah. Then I just took it serious and I had a video store 
Uh, remember those? Of course, love those. Video. What you you <laughs> what you owned one? I owned. It was a really small one. Like I only had like a thousand movies. Wow. It was called um, Quick Stop, like Kevin Smith. Yeah, yeah, that's so cool. Owning your own video store. I did, and uh, wow. and I was like, you know what? I should just do it. Mm. So I mm-hmm. went to. Um, I started researching school, and I went to Canada to study film school. Film school. Why Canada? I couldn't afford LA. Right. Okay. And Vancouver was just booming. And then I found out that's the school Kevin Smith went to. So I was like, I got to go. Yeah. Yeah. Especially after your video store was named after him. I mean, that's, you got to go. Got to go. And also like, I know him and like uh, the YouTuber Casey Neistat are like huge fans of Rebel Without a Crew, the book. Right. I love the book as well. That book is amazing, by the way, for any filmmakers out there who've not read this book. It is literally Robert Rodriguez about how he made his first film, El Mariachi. It's incredible. It's so good. So good. It's called Rebel Rebel. It's one of those books that you start reading and you don't put it down. Yeah, you don't. I must have read it three times. You don't put it down. You read it again. You go, I'll just flick the first few pages and you're in again. And you remember how he made it. And what just what a what a journey. Incredible. Sold his body. Um, I mean, for science. Uh, and um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but Robert really was the one that said, well, I'm not rich. I'm Hispanic. I'm from a small town in Texas. Fuck it. I can do it. Yeah. Like Robert really implemented that when I saw El Mariachi in Desperado. Like I told him in the show and it's it's on the show. I don't know what episode it was, but I remember telling him I used to watch my dad's car so I can watch pay-per-view or or a cinema event that you would call in for like $4 or five pounds or whatever. Yeah. And you would watch the movie. And I told him like, I would do that because I, I couldn't afford a VHS tape that would cost $20. So I would spend four times. Yes. But watching on the big screen is always so much better anyway. How did you make the step up after film school of going, do you know what? I'm going to make my own shorts now that are better than you're obviously ones you were making when you were younger. What did you do? What was the process? I mean, there was always this element of fear as you're younger. I'm 36 now. And as you're younger, you don't, you're not really, or I wasn't really afraid of anything. Mm. So what I basically did was, um, I just, I would write something that I identified with or something, because remember like English is not my first language. So when I did my thesis that I did in film school, which people can watch in uh, on my YouTube, it's called Warehouse Games. I was very afraid to write because I was like, people are going to make fun of me because English is not my first language. And I'm trying to write uh, a comedy with a more. So going to New Mexico and being like out of my elements where there's – I don't know anyone in that town. Like one of my friends and I from Vancouver moved there and we just started off fresh. But again, you had to readapt to how they lived how people in America live opposed to Canada and Mexico, which believe it or not are very different. Mm -hmm. Um, I think it was just me wanting to be like, fuck it, just do it. I just want to do a film. I want to tell a story and not care what anyone thought. And slowly, 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 I started getting my own voice in scripts because um, one of the things that's like the, the flip side of the coin is that I feel that I have a very, like people can know when, oh, that's an Alejandro movie. Or that's Alejandro's movie because of the way it's said or certain things. So I think I used my insecurity and used it to my advantage. 
that's great that's so important to do that and have your own voice and it's hard when you're starting out as a filmmaker to have your own voice even within your own shorts because exactly. you're going okay well this time i'll do a comedy and then this one i want to do a slasher movie or you know and and within that it's very hard to have your own voice and what you've done very well throughout all your shorts is have a voice and you've made loads of shorts leslie lo-fi um the princess and the musician the joneses you know, lots yeah. of really high-end quality shorts with great acting, great performances, and very well directed. And obviously, then you made Monday the short, which turned into the feature film that we have now. How did yes, you? Sir. How did you find your process through that? How did you work? How did you get your team around you? And you know, how did you get the money for the shorts? Honestly, the shorts, I—it's out of my own pocket. There you go. That's it, guys. I, That's what you got to do sometimes. Got to do it. I have a my day job and mm-hmm. if i like the project a lot i would i mean they're not all big like i i have never spent more than 10 grand on anything right so lo-fi was five thousand uh princess was like twelve hundred dollars the joneses was three hundred uh monday was five thousand um and obviously that it doesn't that i can't accomplish those those projects without the help of friends that followed me that were like, fuck it. All right, here we go. Let's just do it. Mm. Where it's like, I, you know, I get a director of photography and I'm like, dude, I can only pay you 300 bucks. Yeah. Yeah. But, but the project's great. This is what we want to do with it. You win because of the project. It's not, you're not doing this for the money. You're doing this because this might be useful for you. Yeah. And then, it's, then they might go, yeah, okay, I'll come and do it. But it's a tough sell sometimes, but if people believe in you, and I think that's, what's really interesting. You come across really well as a lovely person. People believe in that and they believe in your vision. And I think that's really important as a filmmaker to have your own voice and to be, be a cool person. Don't be a dick, you know? Don't be a dick. <laughs> that, that, that means a lot. Man. That should that, be on a t-shirt, man. <laughs> you want to be a filmmaker, yeah. hashtag don't be a dick. <laughs> yeah. No, I, I, I completely agree. I, I am surrounded by people that not only do I love to hang out with, but are talented and I love to work with and I consider my friends. So, I really do consider myself to be incredibly lucky. Mm. So, so you're making these shorts and was, I, I read somewhere that you were also trying to make a feature during that time um, with lo-fi. Is that correct? And you were trying to get that off the ground. Can you tell us, yes, the, tell us what happened? What went I've wrong? I've been trying to make lo-fi for two movies and no one thinks I can do it. Really? Like, yeah, I've, I've bounced from producer to, to investor. And then when I tell them like, yeah, we need, a million or under, and they they read the script. They're like, "You're not going to be able to do this. It's too expensive." So, right. I'm working to make it happen. Actually, we're going to L.A. or I'm going to L.A. tomorrow because um, Nalib, which is the National Association of Latino Independent Producers, uh, chose me to be one of the 30 Latino filmmakers to participate in the media market. Nice. And the project they chose for is Lo-Fi. Right. Brilliant. So it's. They put you in this room with investors to hopefully you sell the project. And I honestly, out of all the projects, I think it's my favorite. I just, I love the moral and what it's trying to teach you. And it's the lead character. I think she's very strong, but everyone can identify with. Mm-hmm. I don't know. It's just my favorite project. Right. Okay. I think that's really important when you're sitting in front of a team of investors like that. Again, it's what we talked about straight away. If they like you, then you're more likely for them to say, okay, I believe in this guy. Let's give him that mail that he wants to make his feature. 
and what will help for you massively now is you've made Monday and you've made it through yeah. a TV series. You've now, you're now not uh, an issue. You're not the problem now because you have made a feature. So I imagine that will open up a lot more doors for you. I hope so. I really, it was, it was a very stressful life changing experience that I really hope it works for the best because ultimately I I'm doing all this just to entertain people and to tell stories. So Mm -hmm. yeah, no, and I wouldn't change it. Like, let's say I don't, and it doesn't lead to anything. It definitely was an experience that will, that I, out of my deathbed, I'll be like, I did rebel. Yeah. That was awesome. Yeah. From the book you'd always loved and respected and the man you, you really loved. So this is a TV series where Robert Rodriguez picks five people to go make a feature film with seven grand for 14 days. Correct? Yes. yes. How, how did you get selected? There were several things that I had to do. I had to send like a one sheet. I had to send proof of work that I've done, mm-hmm. proof of stuff that I've written. I had to send them a script. I had to do several Skype interviews. I had to do a psychological interview. Wow. There was a bunch of stuff that I had to do. And it was basically like, oh, you're in the top 50, top 25, top 20, 15, 7, top 10, top 5. Wow. How how did that feel? I mean, it was draining because, right. you know, you're you're at the beginning, you're like, yeah, whatever. I'm not going to get chosen. Mm, yeah. And you get into something. As she gets closer to top five, I felt... Like, I was just like, oh, get on with it. Just tell me no. Mm, like, Yeah, give me I'm, the no. Let me move on with my life. Yeah, absolutely. Exactly. And, and honestly, you know what's really interesting? I was going to make the movie regardless if El Rey chose me or not. No or way. If, you know, really? Like, I was just like, you know what? I'm done waiting. I feel that I've been postponing just making a film because I, I never, you know, there's always that fever element to making a first feature film. But I also respect film so much that I don't want to... There's so much garbage out there from people that are just like, yeah, I can I can do a movie. It's easy. And then you watch and you're like, Jesus Christ, do you not know how to tell a narrative? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I didn't want to be one of those people. And I didn't want to just deliver something subpar. So I would always wait. But then there's this element of like, you know what? I'm just going to say, fuck it. Let's do it. Good. And this so I was like, you know what? If I don't get chosen, great. I'll call some people. We'll make the movie. Yeah, and, and especially by then, you'd have you'd have perfected all your pitch, your packs. You'd sent all the information. You got excited about it. You'd already got a cast. So you were kind of a bit like, well, I can do this on my own. Fuck it. Like yeah, you say. How would you have um, funded it if you were to do it yourself? I had someone that wanted to give me $20,000. Wow. That's more than you yeah. made it for. <laughs> oh, I... I know. <laughs> and I was like, you know what, man? No, I, I, even if it's seven and I have cameras following me and whatnot, I was like, I need to do this. Yeah, of course you do. Of course you do. And I bet now you're so grateful and glad you did it because yes. whatever happens with this film, it will open doors. You know, you were part of that big TV show. You're part of Robert Rodriguez's crew. And I imagine that if you go, you know, look, here's another script. Can can I come talk to you about it? I'm sure he would, or give someone, give some advice in some way. Um, I would. <laughs> I hope so, Robert. If you're listening, but yeah, he'll be listening. He'll be listening. He's an avid listener. <laughs> exactly. Oh, that's good. Yeah. How how was he to work with then? How how was that whole process? How much how hands on was he with you? 
he was very present as a mentor. He didn't do anything like, oh, I'll do this for you. You know what I mean? Mm. But he was always there to listen and to give you advice. Like, no, no doubt about it. He was incredibly positive. He's incredibly cool. He's such a nice guy. Like, that's the thing. It's once the, not the facade, but that, that, that layer of like, whoa, of mysticism that that's like, oh, it's Robert Rodriguez kind of vanishes away. He's just a, a film nerd. Yeah. Yeah. You know, he just likes to do film and watch film and talk film. So it was great that like when cameras would like pan down because they're trying to change lenses or whatever, the reality cameras, we would talk about Predator. Oh, I love it. Like stuff like that or talked about music or food. Like he's a foodie, as you know, he cooks mm -hmm. a bunch. So yeah. no, it, it, it was great. And, and like best example is obviously they schedule because he's filming, uh, he's finishing editing uh, Battle Alita, or Alita Battle Angel, sorry, with James Cameron. Yes. Which comes out in December, so obviously he's swamped. Mm. And he still makes the time to, like, go visit our set. And there was one time where he visited our set without telling producers just because he saw lights. And he's like, hey, what are you guys doing? Just he, just he just saw lights, so he was interested in checking it out. That's great. So therefore, he is he's that lovely mentor for you. Oh, definitely. I, I, I think I emailed him after the show and after we screened in, in South by, I told him like, I have never, you know, like that, uh, the whole Seinfeld episode where Seinfeld Jerry's like, I don't believe in mentors. Mm -hmm. I basically like, I never had, I never called. I never was offered like just, it was just a word for me. And, and I emailed him like, I've never realized what that means and what, the honor of calling someone and I I'm proud to call you and the first person I call a mentor. Wow. Well, congratulations. It's, it's brave, but I think this is superb and the film is superb. Monday is a really brilliant feature film. It really is. And I really enjoyed it. So you've got seven grand, you've got 14 days. How did you do it? <laughs> I don't know if you heard me in the speaker. Because it's like, I I honestly feel that it was a combination of multiple things, man. The more I talk about it and the more I realize, it's like, obviously, and this is for anyone that's listening, please give me patience. It's going to sound cocky, but at the end, it won't. Okay. It's because of the hierarchy. I had to be on top of my shit. I had to be confident. And I had to push my body as much as possible. I had to use everything I learned and keep going, not hesitate. That was one part. But then after that, I got lucky that we were able to think on the fly, that we had actors that were so committed, that we had actors that were in any way, shape or form, willing to help out, that I had my plus one, Ryan Halsey, to be my DP and my sound guy. Yep. Who also did color correction, by the way. Brilliant. Um, and I think just the backing, because like one of the things that I've that I love about Albuquerque or New Mexico is that um even though there's no money here to support independent film, I had a great a great group of people supporting me and pushing me forward like my girlfriend like my girlfriend was going through a really tough time uh someone really close to her passed away during the show and and she had to fucking bear that by herself 
where other people would be like, no, you got to be here because it's all about me, me, me. She she was tough about it and supported me. And and anytime I would crack where I'm like, I can't do this anymore because I, I mean, obviously there, there's two times where I was just like, I can't do this anymore. No sleep. You're going nonstop. They have mm-hmm. you confined in a house. It breaks you mentally. Wow. And no, man, I was just very, very happy that I had people like her and like my cast and like my crew or not my crew because we didn't have one, but like, yes. you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> like the people that, like the actors that were helping us out. And I think we, we managed to get lightning in a little bottle. And a lot of it has to do with it's the team effort and little luck. Yeah, absolutely right. And you absolutely did get lightning in a bottle. And so the people who are listening know what Monday is about. Um, it's about a guy called Jim, uh, who played by Jamie H. Young, who is fantastic. He was also in the short film Monday as well. He's a pothead slacker. He starts his Monday by losing both his job and his girlfriend. Uh, thinking he's hit rock bottom, Jim quickly realizes that his problems are just beginning. He soon finds himself wrapped up in a turf war with a rival drug cartels and has to outrun a pair of hit women uh, who turn their sights onto him. So with his best friend, Paul, Jim attempts to get his life back on track and stay alive in the process. Yes, there's loads going on there. There's so much. You've got gunfights, you've got blood, you've got action, you've got comedy. I mean, like you say, to get all that into 14 days and people can do it. It's doable. It is, but you do kill yourself doing it. You, I mean, you probably didn't. You probably <laughs> slept for two weeks afterwards. I, I wasn't sleeping more than four to five hours a day. Of course. And, yeah. and yeah, man. Like I'm. I. I think when I got back, I had a day off, and right. I just, I didn't. I didn't get up from my couch. No, no. Why would you? You just. Uh, there's no need. I'm just going to stay on my couch and, yeah, get my brain back in order because because make, making a feature film is really taxing on your brain it really is it takes you to that place where everything about that film is just spinning around your head from the colors to the shots to the actors to performances everything and yeah my hat's off to you man i I mean i shot my feature in 18 days and i'd have crew around me you know supporting and helping massively i think i'd be all right to do it but i know i'd go oh god i'm missing people where's my crew where's where's this what what, how many crew did you actually have did you have makeup did you have costume any of that kind of thing no sir it was just one right so just one person or just one person yeah (laughs) i i I wrote this when i knew that that was going to be one day that's why or one person i wrote the script all happened in one day yeah so we didn't have to like worry about wardrobe right that's, that's, see, that makes total sense. You go, okay, we've got, it's all set on Monday, hence why it's called Monday. And yeah, you you do it that way. And, and I imagine the actors just got stuck in as well. Well, they, they weren't living with you in the same house. Oh, they? no. Right, that no, was they just got for the documentary. House and, and, and half of the, only four of them were from Albuquerque. The rest were all from Austin, which, like, like I said, like we got lucky that like the talent from Austin was so giving and nice and nurturing and and willing to do whatever it took to get this movie done because all they had to do is say no because they've never worked with me. Mm-hmm. They've seen some of my work, but yeah, then at the credits they see that there's a whole crew. You know what I mean? So it's yeah. like it could mess them up. Yep. Yeah. yeah. 
They really could. I mean, this is perfect for people who are going, do you know what? I want to go do that. I want to go make a film. I'm going to get my actors who can also do other roles for me. And you exactly. all club together and go, we can do this and we can make a feature film and we can make it really good. We really can. Okay, so this is a good point. What would you do differently now um, with your next film compared to what you did on Monday? And obviously you you can't take into account that you didn't have the, the amount of crew. Obviously you'd bring more crew in. What 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 have you learned as a director? To be more patient. Mm, interesting. To be less... Um... I guess diva-ish, you know, because there's always this element of like, I need to be comfortable to do this. And you do, you really do, because you have to keep your head on straight while everything is going on. I mean, there would be a lot of things I would do. Like if I, if I had to do another movie, but we had a little bit more money, I would plan. Like we didn't have pre-production. I didn't have time to rehearse with the actors. It was just, we need. I need you to hit this note. Right. We would try one, two, three times, and that's it. Because it's like we gotta move, especially because the movie, as you saw, is there's so many shots. Mm-hmm. There's so many shots. I was, I was, I was impressed by how many shots there was. I was like, okay, we keep getting different cuts here. Wow. Okay, he's gone for it. And I noticed in certain other scenes where you didn't, you were like, okay, this is a two shot, and it's staying a two shot for the whole thing. And that was really interesting. And actually, sometimes that forces your hand as a director. You're kind of going, this is my style. I'm going to go with that. And it kind of works. I think I wanted to do a lot of shots when it became hectic, but I also wanted to show people that it's like, I'm not relying on the edit to be to be a filmmaker. Yes. Like there's a breakup scene where it's a one shot, and I really, that was the shot that I was very adamant. Like we covered it in shots, but I also did a one shot because I wanted to show people like, hey, I know blocking is just... I don't. I didn't have time for this right now. Yeah. So. Yeah. I felt like the story of them, the way they were turning, was telling their story as a couple. Got you. Yeah. There you go. That's your choice, and that's interesting. That's really interesting. Did you had you prepped the locations beforehand, so you'd got in any way set up the uh, art department if you had an art department, or was it just whatever was available? It was in episode one. They come in with a binder and they go, you got 15 minutes, pick your locations. Really? Yes, sir. It's in the show. <laughs> in case you're like, yeah, whatever. It's in the show. They just go, here's your locations. You got 15 minutes. Oh, my gosh. If you're looking for plump lips at last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XE and Juvederm Ultra XE, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XE or Juvederm Ultra XE. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions or if you are allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all gel fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full important safety information, visit www.juvederm.com. If you're struggling to lose weight, you've probably heard about weight loss medications like Wigovi or ZepBound, and you might be wondering if they're right for you. Meet Plush Care 
a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. If you qualify, they can safely prescribe you medication from the comfort of your own home. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. This episode is brought to you by Etsy. Sound the gifting panic alarm. You need to get an amazing gift. Wait, no, the perfect gift. Relax. Now you can use Gift Mode on Etsy. Gift Mode on Etsy takes the stress out of gifting, so you can find the perfect item for anyone and any occasion. It's easy. Just tap or click Gift Mode on your Etsy app or Etsy.com. Then answer a few short questions about who you're shopping for and what they like. And Gift Mode instantly gives you curated gift ideas based on hundreds of personas. Now it's simple to find gifts made by independent sellers for all the people in your life. So whether you need a housewarming gift for the new homeowner or a birthday present for the pickleballer, Gift Mode has you covered. Need to find the perfect gift? Don't panic. Try Gift Mode on Etsy now. <laughs> um, and was your budget part of the location fee as well, or was that separate? No, sir. It was everything. You have to rent your equipment, which is camera, Ooh. lighting, microphone, or audio equipment. Mm-hmm. Also, mm-hmm. the only thing they did help us with was uh, food. Okay. But they only let you feed five people. So when there were more than five people, <laughs> I, I ate and I would share sandwiches or hamburgers oh and fries God. and stuff. Seriously? Wow. No, for, no, no joke. Like the show, look, people can say whatever they want. Um, they did not portray, they did not like set up drama to, okay. to, to set up drama. What happened, happened. Um. And they were really, really, really adamant about, you know what? We're going to do what Robert did to maintain the authenticity of Rebel Without a Crew. Mm-hmm. Wow. How was it watching yourself back on the documentary and seeing yourself in these situations and stressed? And what was that like? I was always asking my, my girlfriend or friends, like, oh, did I sound like a dick? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Please don't let me sound like a dick. Please. Don't, because it's like. You have to be, as a director, you have to be very, I mean, in my opinion, I got to be very authoritative. Because if we get caught up in having a good time, I love having a good time. I Mm. love going out for drinks and being loud and listening to music and whatever. But but there, it's if you waste your time and you're having a jolly old time and it's great, you're eating up the time. And we only had nine-hour days. Oh, wait, wait. You couldn't. Sh- you only had nine yeah. hour days. Why? Yes, sir. Was that just because part of the that, rule? Well, because the camera people that were following us could only do 12 hours. So we had an hour to drive there, an hour back, and now half an hour to eat and half an hour to pack up. Uh, 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 so, oh, my God. Oh, my God. It gets, gets harder and harder. That's okay. Oh, so nine oh, hours. Okay. And also, what about lights then? Were you lighting it because it's beautifully shot it looks stunning so I- oh that's my that's my boy ryan halsey man he uh he lit it yeah we had to get lights in episode two you'll see when we get the camera equipment and the lighting grip equipment and i in my head because austin is such a big city mm-hmm. i uh, i switched the script to have it start uh have it start the nighttime sooner because that way we can manipulate light even better mm-hmm. and because yeah. Austin has such a great depth of field. Mm-hmm. It would just make the movie be more big, bigger production. I love that. 
I love it. It's uh, it's exciting, but it's scary as fuck at the same time. Oh, we were we, we, <laughs> we worried at any point that you weren't going to finish the film, or it wouldn't be as good as it is. I mean, I'm sure you were. I mean, honestly, like it was the first time I did action, so I was very worried that we didn't have time, or that it was going to look choppy or mm. crappy. Of course, that we were going to get it finished. We were going to get it finished, like. It, in the show, you'll see that we reshot a scene because the way I shot it at day looked super shitty. Right. So I changed it to night, and it looks fucking. Oh, it's when the the hit women arrive, and yep. like uh, the bodyguards, which I I love that scene, and it just looks cooler at night. Yeah, it does. A hundred percent looks cooler at night. Yeah. No, you you did well to reshoot that. Did did you ask to reshoot that, or was it a case of at the end of my shoot, part of my fourteen days, I want to squeeze this in? Yeah, no, it's you got 14 days, you can do whatever you want. And there's no there's no going back and reshooting stuff. Right. But oh. so that's why there's a couple of shots that are out of focus because it's like the the first scene was the first time I grabbed the cam. Oh, I shot the I was cam up as well. Oh. So Right, okay. And I didn't have a follow focus or a monitor. <sighs> Fuck. So that really screwed me up with a uh, you know, like it it really made me appreciate assistant Jeez, yeah um, yeah suddenly you really really appreciate that those crew who do all that work exactly, for you exactly because you're otherwise the director you sat watching the monitor going yeah that's right great thank you can we push in more with the camera this time and you start talking about performance and only very rarely will you mention the the focus because they're normally very good at it you know so to, oh, yeah. for you to be doing all that and be going because i've done that before i've shot uh a web series where I did everything. I was camera op, directed it, focus, mm-hmm. sound, everything. And it was, I couldn't concentrate on the actors at all because I was so worried about the shot looking right. And the sound was good in my ear that I couldn't really concentrate on the actors. So how did mm-hmm. you deal with that? Well, before we shot and, and my friend was setting up, uh, Ryan was setting up lighting. I would describe obviously, well, this is what, what's going to happen. This is the blocking. The lighting's going to be here. This is what we're doing. We would go out, rehearse once, twice, got it. I would explain what I need, what the scene means. They would come in. I would make two or three adjustments, and we have options, and then moving on. Right. I just need to be editing in my head a lot. Yes. Yeah, okay. I think it helped massively that you've made all those short films and music videos and you know commercials beforehand. And you edit yourself yes. as well. Is that correct? I, I do. I don't like to. Uh huh. Yeah, of course. Yeah, of course. We're filmmakers. We don't like to edit. We want someone else to do it. But uh, so, did you edit? Oh no, I did. And then I had Davy Ferry Jr., who's a really good friend of mine, a good editor, as basically like my my editing mentor. But no, I I did the majority of it. At the premiere, he was like, "How did you do the action scenes?" I'm like, "I I just choreographed them there. Once the actress got." done i just went in and got coverage man oh brilliant because that's the hard thing when you've got blood and you've got people dying and you've got to do the continuity and get the coverage it's very hard because especially if you know if jim or uh, jamie had got something on his shirt you know how do you you know it's continuity wise you've got to go think about all those type of things and that's that's a tough thing to get in your head yeah it was and we had a bunch of continuity issues like the phones there's a bunch of phone like changes, but it's like, hey, hey, we can't do everything. Man. I didn't notice. So, I'll be honest. I didn't notice. So there you go. That shows it that I 
Yeah, it's a great film. It really is. So you had your premiere, right, at the South by Southwest Festival. Yes, we screened at South by in Austin um, a couple of months ago. That was a lot of that was a lot of fun. It was great to um, to see the you know like the actors just have a blast, and they were like, "Holy shit, that's what we did!" And I'm like, "Yeah, man, you're and like Anna especially. Like, I'm so proud of her because she was." She's always done like romantic comedies and this one she's a fucking cold-hearted villain. Mm. You know, like it's like such a different role for her. Like I'm like I'm not going to say I'm not going to say just specifically her but like uh, I'm proud of all of them. Yeah, like, no, of they, course I'm proud of I'm proud of Jamie, Kenny, Sophia, everyone. Yeah, they turned in great performances. Really great. It's really yeah, they, helped. They could easily try to cash in and just check out on the performance but none of them fucking sent, gave me a subpar performance. So good, so good. So you've got your premiere, you've done that. What's happening now with the film? How can people see it? Well, the film, uh, we're touring film festivals and I actually really want to go to your neck of the woods. Okay. I uh, I submitted to Raindance, so hopefully... Okay. Hopefully they, 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 they see the movie for for what it is and everything and uh if it gets if it gets accepted i'll i'll be there man i don't care that's great well because obviously we're collaborating with rain dance now so i i know elliot i'll ask him oh, i'll ask I him love if elliot yeah elliot's cool very cool so i'll, I'll ask mm-hmm. him i'll ask him what his take is and and uh yeah you never know i'm not saying i have any influence because i don't unfortunately <laughs> uh, but, but yeah good word for me that would be amazing of course of course and what it did do and what it shows to our other filmmakers out there is you can do it look at alejandro look what he just did he he had no time to do it but yet he still did it and he got accepted and he got chosen and he's now made his feature film and it's hopefully at the rain dance film festival <laughs> but if not it, it, it will be released soon so yeah coming back to yes. that what is what's the plan do you know so the plan is uh, the movie's going to be on a platform called Go90, yep. which is only screening. Uh, you can only see it in the United States, obviously. But I think that Tumblr will release the feature films. And I want to say about October or November. I still don't know. But in the meantime, I am touring uh, in the United States um, several film festivals. Like I know we're going to go to El Paso, L.A., mm-hmm. um, Austin again. Um we're going to go to as many uh, Las Vegas. We're going to try to go as many as possible. Hopefully London. Great. Mexico. And uh, yeah, they follow me on Instagram. I, I post every day and we yep. just give updates on what we're doing. Super. So so that's the best place people can find out about the film is your Instagram page or your website. What's best? I think both, man. Okay. Like if people follow me on, on, on Instagram, I post every day where we're what we're doing because you know there's a lot of stuff happening like we're gearing up for a possible feature uh sequel yeah uh called tuesday exactly yes (laughs) great and we're we're trying to get two other feature films off the ground so whichever one pulls the trigger first we're going and obviously like i said if we get into uh rain dance i already told my cast and crew like i will sell my fucking car to go i don't care yeah of course of course, man, and I'll be there and I'll be supporting you and uh, yeah, I'll bring as many people as I can for sure. For sure. What is your I'll buy you a beer too. Thank you. Thank you. And what's your Instagram then? What's your actual Instagram so people can follow you? It's my full name, which uh it's Alejandro Montoya Marin, all one word. Yep. And uh my 
if you go on YouTube and you just uh, write down Alejandro Montoya Marin, you'll pop up with my channel. It's a black and white picture. And I have short films, commercials, music videos, and little vlog videos I make with my iPhone about just what we're doing, where we're at. And they're basically just like little music video montages. Yeah, I tell all my guys this as well. It's what I did when I made The Dare is I video blogged every night. I didn't put it online, but what it did do is it freed my mind to actually go to sleep. So when I was lying down in bed, I didn't have all these things spinning around. I'd said it. So I'd got everything out I wanted to. I'd got any rants I needed to get out. And then I talked about the next day, the shots I was doing, what I wanted to do, how I was going to approach the scenes. And then I could go to sleep. And I recommend video blogging to any filmmaker because whether you're going to put it out or not, it is invaluable. And what it has done is given me brilliant behind the scenes for the uh, for the DVD Blu-ray offer extras on YouTube. And it's for me, it's invaluable. So I've seen your ones and they're brilliant. So do go check them out. Uh, Alejandro Montoya Marin dot com. Yes, sir. Yes. Yes, absolutely. Check those out. Uh, do you uh, do you do Twitter as well? You on Twitter? I am on Twitter um, uh, recently, but more than before. So it's not my name. It's uh, the company or the production company that I have. And it's. Four spelled out F O U R point P O I N T the number five films F I L M S four point five films yeah because yes, I find Twitter is really useful Twitter's the best for this is where all my a lot of my followers who listen to the podcast are and they all retweet and thank you so much for all those who do retweet and keep retweeting um, yes, and I find it's a really good social and, and me as actor Giles Alderson is on there as well and yeah Twitter's a good place to be so. Um, yeah, it's a good way of getting information out. Brilliant. This has been fantastic. Can you give uh, a piece? It's, pe- it's been brilliant. It's been really cool. Can you give some advice to uh, a first-time filmmaker who's trying to make either a short or feature film from what you've learnt? What's the best? Give us three if you can. Whatever you can give us. Any advice you can give them would be great. Write and write something that you can accomplish. Mm-hmm. Write something that you have around you. Um. If you love it, do it. It's gonna it's gonna be a lot of hard work, a lot of stress. Some people will leave you if this is your obsession. Mm-hmm. But at the end of the day, you gotta do what makes you happy. And if film making film makes you happy, you shouldn't let anyone stop you. Brilliant. Absolutely brilliant. Alejandro, thank you so much for your time. Really do appreciate it. Dude, thank you so much for having me. This was a blast. It really was. And remember, hashtag don't be a dick hashtag don't be a dick i'll be posting that for sure (laughs) (laughs) brilliant man all right take care thank you man i hope we see each other soon man i'm sure we will peace this was a podcast from the pod fix network Check out more shows like it at oddfixnetwork.com.